Hello, everyone. I'm Alan Potcotter, and you're listening to Call Talk for April 15, 2020. Today's topic is Busting the Barriers to Success, Your Center and Back Office Functions. If you're listening live, we invite you to be part of the show and ask questions. Here's how you do it. You can email me at calltalk at benchmarkportal.com. I want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to any time of the day. You can go to Benchmark Portal website and then click on Call Talk, where you'll find them all. And now I'd like to introduce the host of the show, Bruce Belfiore. Thank you, Alan, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Well, the relationship between contact centers and back office functions can be either a beautiful marriage or a pretty ugly tug of war. Both depend on each other in most organizations, but the lines of communication and the amount of goodwill varies pretty widely among functional silos, and the availability of budget and resources can become bones of contention, along with processes and procedures. In some cases, the contact center is the point of entry for most employees, and in these cases, the back offices are basically staffed by quote-unquote alumni of the call center. In those cases, relationships generally are good because employees on the back office side really understand the call center in depth. Other situations are not so positive. And so a lot of issues can come up and a lot of finger pointing can happen. For example, in your center, do agents complain they can't find customer data because the software is out of date or they need to toggle among a dozen apps to get what they need? Uh, Do you feel it takes too long for analysts to finish weekly reports using out-of-date software? Uh, It's so important to align these back office functions to improve customer service and ensure you're managing the right metrics. So these are big issues for a lot of contact center managers. And that's why we brought in an expert on the topic for you, Nancy Monroe, founder and CEO of Verbal Transaction. Nancy has been with us before, so welcome back to the show, Nancy. Great to be here, and uh, a pleasure to be speaking to your audience again. Okay. Well, great. Let me say a few words about you, Nancy. It's been almost three decades of experience in helping organizations implement and deploy voice enablement solutions. Uh, Nancy has worked with organizations like Microsoft, CVS, AT&T, and Walmart, helping them address performance challenges that align to their structural capabilities and revenue goals. And also, uh, you may recall that Nancy pioneered voice-enabled technologies and simulations in the corporate space and was the first to launch an interactive audio role-playing simulator. So her current solutions leverage speech recognition and AI to provide a scalable and immersive learning application. So Nancy speaks at various conferences such as Amazon Voice Summit and was the chair of the MIT Enterprise Forum of Chicago for three years. So she's got a lot of experience and uh, great wisdom to share with us, right, Nancy? You bet. (laughs) Okay, good. So before we get into the topics we were originally focused on for this show when you and I talked about it uh, some months ago, I just have to Mm -hmm. ask you, in light of the current COVID-19 pandemic, which has basically taken over our lives and our contact centers, and uh, given the mad rush to lock down and work from home, uh, what Mm -hmm. have you been hearing that would be pertinent to our topic and of interest to our audience? Yeah, yeah. So so one thing for sure is that I think uh, every contact center is that has moved 
people work from home, I think that's a lot of that's going to be permanent, um, good or bad. And I and I think, um, but I'm seeing still some you know brick and mortar. They're they're sending skeleton staff there, and they plan on you know restaffing as soon as they can. But just from a, an executive webinar that I sat in on a couple of weeks ago, it's the, the feeling from the executive side of the house is that they need to have those plans in place. They need to have systems in place to where, you know, if they do convene back into, uh, you know, on site that they still have that ability to, in an emergency situation, you know, because it's not only COVID-19, we've seen dramatic shifts in the weather too, you know, where you've got hurricanes and tornadoes and severe weather shifts because of just forcing people to kind of you know, work from home or they can't get to work or there's, you know, wires are down or whatever. So it's it's also a, a way that they can have kind of a, a, a system in play as well. Yeah, no, we've uh, seen the same thing. And, in fact, uh, I think you're aware we, we've done uh, three other uh, call talk episodes that have had to do mm-hmm. with the coronavirus just because it's such a big issue for so many people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had mm-hmm. one with uh, Dr. Fenzi who uh, – talked about everything from the medical point of view for our um, listeners who are call center managers. Uh, We had another one uh, that talked about hiring and screening in an age of coronavirus uh, because uh, that's had an impact as well. And then we did the town hall last Friday, uh, which we had uh, three speakers uh, from, uh, you know, different companies of different sizes. And, and that, uh, you know, really the, all very well attended, and I can just tell our listening audience, too, that all of those resources are available on uh, our website under uh, resources. So, yeah, these are big issues, Nancy. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So, so what you're hearing is that uh, the, the uh, home office thing may be more permanent uh, mm-hmm. rather than just uh, something for the, uh, the the pandemic itself. Right, right, right. yeah. Yeah, and I even a couple of years back, I was out at uh, Walgreens chatting with their operations folks. And at that, even at that time, you know, they were saying, you know, we plan on expanding the headcount, but we don't plan on expanding the um, facilities. So they were already putting things in place to any new hire was going to be a work-from-home hire. Right, right. Yeah, no, one of our... Uh, participants last uh, Friday uh, were Erie Insurance. They said about 10% of their folks were already at, at home, so they had hmm. the infrastructure for it uh, right. and sort of processing right. procedures. But it's a different thing to move 90% of your mm. <laughs> uh, population, you know, into that uh, overnight, basically. So uh, a lot of yeah. real uh, challenges came out of that. Well, uh, any other thoughts there? I've got another question for you as well. Um, yeah, just, you know, this lends itself to, uh, I, I'm just curious how many of them, uh, because security is such a, uh, um, high level priority for these organizations. I wonder how many of them had to kind of weigh the, the differences between setting somebody up in a home office to be productive versus making sure they have the right security measures in place. So I'm sure the, the IT folks were just kind of like, okay, uh, <laughs> scramble and to you know get all these people to you know in a secure infrastructure uh, and maintain right. our, our levels of security so I think there's probably a lot of um, new consulting opportunities potentially going along around anyway that's handling security from a uh, remote or dispersed workforce as well mm-hmm 
Yeah, and uh, you know the the folks that I've talked to have been very uh, upfront about the fact that functionality in general, not just security, but functionality in general, sometimes slipped a little bit uh, during mm-hmm. the the, the uh, mm-hmm. this 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 transition, and uh, so IT is working uh, overtime to make sure that those uh, gaps are, are filled so that uh, nothing terrible happens. Right. Uh, so, right. Well, well, just just getting back to our main topic, yeah. you know, which is what trends have you been seeing in the industry regarding miscommunication among front office and mm-hmm. uh, back office silos? Yeah, so what I see uh, quite a bit, especially in the healthcare arena, um, is, you know, average handle time versus first call resolution. And, you know, the people that are on the phone – you know, they may have, uh, I know someone that was in a call center that handles um, helping veterans, you know, get get through the the healthcare system to get their benefits or to, you know, submit the right forms and whatnot. And sometimes, you know, it takes a while to explain that to them. And, you know, the agent wants to make sure that this person doesn't have to call back or get the runaround because more likely they've already gotten the runaround, right? And, mm-hmm. and so yep. there's this battle between, well, I'm only supposed to be on the phone this long, but you know, if I help this person help them out the right way the first time that they're on the phone, then I'm going to, you know, my numbers for first call resolution are going to be good. But, you know, so there's this battle between, you know, what are the right metrics to be measuring to support the customer, you know, in a way that people that aren't on the front lines and aren't, you know, listening in on calls, you know, they're just looking at the numbers and spreadsheets versus really understanding sometimes you know, maybe there's been a, a change in policy. Maybe there's been something in the the market, like, you know, COVID-19 that's caused this huge influx of uh, a lot more calls or a lot more paperwork that has to be filled out for whatever reason. But I think mm-hmm. there needs to be an understanding or some kind of uh, calibration that somebody could say, you know, raise their hand or say, hey, you know, we're the ones taking these calls. And is there a way we can modify, you know, some of those metrics um, when need be? Right. No, I think that's so important because there is oftentimes a myopic sense that, okay, uh, we're only taking so many uh, calls. Uh, we can reduce the amount of headcount by X by mm-hmm. uh, reducing mm-hmm. uh, average mm-hmm. handle time. And uh, the problem there is you squeeze the balloon on the average handle time, and the agents will do what you ask them to do. They'll just get off the phone before they've actually finished the uh, – <laughs> Yeah, you know. which and is then, unfortunate, yeah. Have to call back and, in. So as you say, first call resolution yeah. goes down. And there's two things bad when first call resolution suffers. As you know, one is uh, mm-hmm. the fact that another call at that point. So there's a cost right. to it. Second, first call resolution has a high correlation statistically, as we know from having done this stuff for 20 years, with satisfaction. So mm-hmm. uh, first call resolution is one of the highest uh, indicators, or let's say correlators, to uh, satisfaction. So you're really kicking yourself twice if you if you make that kind of mistake. Um, and and oftentimes too, I'm sure you've seen this. It it results in a not very uh, creative conversation uh, mm, between right. talking about. In other words, they're just saying, okay, uh, average handle time FCR, etc. Well, what are the tools that you have that could actually reduce average handle time? Right. I mean, have, right. Thought about you know what you can do. Could could you have videos on your website that describe things step by step by mm-hmm. slow step? Mm-hmm. I like to. Alan has heard me say this a million times. Blindingly clear. 
blindingly clear for you. <laughs> right? And the thing is, if you do it, you know, just your voice, you can do it, and people like that, et cetera. But there's also maybe a space in your toolkit for blindingly clear, really good videos that also help brand you. So these aren't just mm-hmm. a tool. They're also something that's going to increase your branding and satisfaction with you. Or maybe uh, it's the kind of thing where with the client you were talking about, screen sharing would be of right. use. So, right. you know, you could actually see it and, and invest in that. What do you think about those possibilities? Well, I agree with that, you know, and, and kind of the other side of that is people are saying, oh, well, we have self-help or we have, you know, an automated kind of self-help, self-service system. And then they get to us and I, you know, and I, I kind of cringe at some of those self-help that I've been involved in, <laughs> but, but, you know, yeah. of course I'm going to say, oh, you know, if you put together a simulation, you know, to help people speed up uh, the, their ability to, you know, average handle time. In, in fact, uh, we're working with a potential client right now that they're a BPO. And so yeah. from the BPO standpoint, they're getting charged their their fees are tied to how many minutes it takes that agent to handle that transaction. So, you know, I come riding in on my white horse and say, oh, you know, for every new hire that you have, instead of them, you know, on average handling the call in 12 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. we can get them at the level of your seasoned people at eight minutes. And I don't know what that no. calculates in your world to money being saved, but, you know, that's the benefit mm-hmm. of using you know, realistic immersive simulations is you can get them up to speed and at the level of a seasoned person in a very short amount of time. Uh, but right. you've got to have the right the right tools, the right processes that are legitimately in the production environment. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. depends on, you know, do you keep changing your production environment uh, so that everybody's kind of having to figure out, okay, where's that file this time and where's how do I access and navigate to this, you know, folder that I need to get the information to the customer. And so that's the other challenge I see is that so many times that the systems have to keep changing for whatever reason and that you're not giving the people that are using the systems enough time to or communicating in a clear enough manner. Oh, oh, by the way, yeah, last night we did this big push and everything's now sitting in this drive versus that drive. <clears throat> you know, so good communication skills and keeping people up to date on uh, all the changes that you're doing and, and the why behind. You know, sometimes you're just saying, I made a change, and you're not really telling them why or what the business reason was behind it so that they understand yeah. and have, you know, clear picture of, oh, okay, well, yeah, that makes sense, but or you don't know why, and it's just mm-hmm. an exercise in frustration for everybody. Right. Well, can you give us uh, an example or some examples that uh, illustrate the, those important points that you're making? Yeah. Um, for example, when you've got a, uh, a, a software system that's tracking your customer data, and let's say that you've got an upgrade in that data, and the IT people are all in on the meetings that know what's going to be changed, uh, you know, what tabs might be added or removed. And if you're not clearly communicating that to the end user, um, that's going to be a big mess on your hands. So I've seen a situation where somebody's been using Salesforce.com as their as their system uh, of record. And then, you know, lo and behold, they don't inform 
business group A that may have special tabs or it's a small it was a small business group that had kind of their own unique interface to it and somehow they got lost in the shuffle as far as <laughs> getting getting the new upgrade or the the tabs their tabs situated the way they needed to and it just blew up in their face and, and caused a a pretty big yeah. challenge and backpedaling when they, once those folks got on the phone and you know went to go access something and it wasn't there it was just completely gone so, you know, what you think is maybe a simple upgrade or uh, system change, you know, could have disastrous impact on the front end. Right. Yeah, other areas where I've seen this sort of thing happen is in the insurance industry, for example, where the claims mm-hmm. handling area mm-hmm. may not be updating uh, appropriately the system that the uh, contact center is getting. So the contact center gets the call. Uh, they go into the system, look at the client record, and uh, something that, in fact, has happened ain't there. And that's really embarrassing, and they get very upset about that. You've probably seen right. situations like right. that. Oh. Right, right, yeah. or, or, um Or an example I had was a, uh, uh, a contractor call center handling calls for a, um, let's just say, a cable company. And, you know, they just ordered the dispatch to go to XYZ House turns out they dispatched it to the wrong house, but then the call center, by the time that call center found out that they made that error, it was three weeks later. Oh you know, it's, yeah, so it's like, how are you supposed to help teach that person they made a mistake if you're not getting the information until weeks later, and by then, you know, it's kind of like, okay, oops, oops sorry, I'm bad. <laughs> I won't right. do it again, you know, versus, right. you know, some type of more immediacy around it. Yes, yes. I mean, and there's situations where things have, you know, been around long enough, uh, situations have been around long enough that they really should have been uh, taken care of. And and for our listening audience, you know, if you're in that kind of a situation, you need to build the business case and bring Mm -hmm. something forward that's very strong Mm -hmm. right away. I think situations where sometimes it's a little more understandable and you need a little bit of – you need to ask, beg some forgiveness from customers on the phone. It's when you, for instance, have a merger of two financial institutions. you got two systems that are trying to get together, and um, one side doesn't know just how valuable this customer is uh, because mm-hmm. they don't have all the information in front of them. The customer will tell you just how valuable <laughs> they are. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, you know who I am. <laughs> you know, yeah, you should know who I am. Uh, but, you know, and actually one of the things we see is in merger situations, oftentimes the customer contact function uh, is not taken into proper account uh, mm-hmm. here. And, and mm-hmm. we, we oftentimes say that an assessment of the customer contact uh, function and systems of the target company is uh, just as important in due diligence as it is uh, for legal due diligence or any other kind of due diligence. So, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah absolutely. And, is it, and the other thing I, you know, suggest to people is um, how many times has your CIO or CFO sat in on a call? Mm. You know, it, it, until they're, you know, actually sitting in and listening to what the customers say. Not just not a recorded call, but being there having to think on your feet, having to see the agent having to think on their feet, watching them navigate through the systems, you know, that they're having to get to to get to the right information within X number of minutes or seconds, you know, mm-hmm. and just having them witness that I think would be very eye-opening for a lot of organizations. Absolutely. And actually, I, I know an insurance company that does that uh, where they have senior executives uh, rotate through um, and and listen to calls to help to take calls. They they don't 
so to say, you're on your own uh, because <laughs> they know that they'll probably fall on their face. But right, it's right. been extremely helpful in terms of the, getting those resources we were talking about before and uh, funding for things because mm-hmm. when the mm-hmm. uh, when the uh, the senior manager feels the pain of the front line a- agent that they're not able to perform for the uh, customer, not because they don't want to, but because the systems won't let them, uh, suddenly it gets easier to get the funding that you need for stuff. So, yeah, yeah, and it's like that show, uh, Undercover Boss. You know, I love that show because, <laughs> you know, they get to hear kind of the, the side conversations or the, you know, get the reaction of the customer, you know, when they're not being taken care of properly or they see, you know, some kind of operational thing. You know, they can just right. see, you know, disasters happening, just but they're following procedures. Like, well, that's, that's all I've been given. These are the tools I have. I, you know, I, I, I can only work with what I've been given. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, these are great insights, and I noticed that Alan has some uh, questions for you. Uh, why don't we okay. hand things over to Alan uh, for those those questions? Sure. Yeah, we're getting a couple questions here. We have the first one from Robert, and he's asking, how do we get around the lack of funding to update some of our systems? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, kind of like Bruce was saying earlier, you know, t- figure out what who are the key stakeholders in that situation where they may not see where they're losing money by not having a certain system in place and putting together a real business case with uh, uh, data that shows evidence to the fact of, you know, yes, I'm asking you to spend X, but on in the big picture, it's going to save 10 times X, you know, and if you present it in a very logical business case, you know, it's going to be hard for them to argue against that, you know, and, and maybe they'll give you reasons, well, this, this, and that, and it's cash flow situation, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, at least they show that you're being proactive, that you're you're defending in, in favor of the company, in favor of the customer, and, you know, it's versus just kind of saying, you know, we need X without any kind of way of backing it up and any kind of data to, to you know, demonstrate and illustrate why you're asking for that. Mm-hmm. And a couple of thoughts that I have to add to that is that mm-hmm. um, one of the things that um, people in our, let's say, managers, uh, who oftentimes have come up through the call center ranks are not MBAs, et cetera, and, and therefore aren't quite sure how to present things. If, if you've got the mm-hmm. MBA, then you've mm-hmm. got the, the, tools mm-hmm. and the skills and the tools sure. to put together a business case. But if you don't have that, then try to make a friend in the uh, CFO's office. Yeah, great idea. One of the things about busting down the barriers that you were talking about, uh, Nancy, is mm-hmm. uh, make a friend over there and say, hey, I need some help. Uh, this is what we see, and can you help me put this together? Uh, it's worth a cup of coffee, paying a cup of coffee, or bringing them to lunch or something like that. And uh, this can actually change your life because uh, once right. they see that – Contact centers are oftentimes one of the largest sources of untapped untapped mm-hmm. value mm-hmm. in the company. Then they'll have more respect for you, and they'll help you out and yep. that sort of thing. Yep. Uh, so that's one of the tips that I would uh, give Robert is uh, to, uh, you know, get to know what are the hot buttons. Uh, okay, you you need them to understand what you're sweating about. You need to know mm-hmm. what they're sweating about, which is uh, next quarter, next four quarter or five quarters of uh, earnings. And if actually you can be somebody who helps that through good ROI 
uh, analysis of, of your your things, and, and that's great. And that happens all the time. Uh, yeah. People who have instituted things like uh, workforce management systems and mm-hmm. all kinds of other systems end up showing unbelievable ROIs. I mean, hundreds, sometimes thousands of percent. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Nancy, I don't know if this ever, ever happened to you, but I, uh, someone in Los Angeles who was a call center manager uh, said to me, Bruce, uh, my CFO did something really weird. He came down the other day to see how we were doing and asked if I needed anything else. <laughs> that's, that's, that's never happened before. Why did that happen? It's because he had brought through a couple of projects that had shown great ROI and had shown, yeah. uh, you know, that they were really well done. And you know, he said, "Okay, this is. I need to keep keep track of these guys, people." So, yeah. Well, ahead, the well. and the opposite the opposite can happen too. Is is that it helps that call center person? Maybe they're giving them insight to. Well, here's here's what else is going on in the company, and you know, help me figure out, you know, where what's a priority and how to help me get your your issue a higher priority too. Good point. Yeah, excellent point. Very good. Okay, Alan, do we have uh, any other questions? Yeah, we have a couple more. The next one is from Rachel, and she's asking: mm-hmm. with increased security risk, put more processes into place, which will slow down our agent's productivity. Any thoughts on that? Uh, yes, Rachel. Um, you know, you just see more cyber risk, cybersecurity risks out there. Um, so there are very good reasons for putting these systems in place in higher risks of security, but the biggest security risks still at the end of the day are human beings. Um, I sat in on a cybersecurity presentation not too long ago, and it's just unbelievable how um, these folks are being evasive into the org, not only just through IT, but through cameras, through uh, electrical, through your HVA systems. I mean, all kinds of ways that people are trying to, you know, bust in and, and collect data. And because we're just pushing more and more more data, in fact, I'm, I'm part of an organization that um, is promoting 5G and we're build, building applications and technology around 5G. It's going <laughs> to... It's going to be 10 times, 50 more times, 100 more times, whatever, more data floating around there at higher rates of speed. So um, so hopefully maybe 5G, once it gets in place, will help speed that those things up that right now the security systems seem to be slowing down. But first and foremost, it's um, making sure you communicate the policies to your staff of, you know, don't share your passwords. You know, we're, you know we force you to change your password, and we know it's a pain, but, you know, we've got to pre- – protect our customer data. So you're doing it as a way to protect the customer. You're doing it as a way to keep customers coming back to you because they feel secure. I mean, think of all those credit card um, scams and things that, you know, Target, um, banks, you know, so you start to lose faith. The customers start to lose faith and trust in you, and that's really hard to get back. So if you communicate in a way that it's a way for us to ensure our customers trust that we're going to take care of their data because you're taking care of your security on your end. Then I think, you know, that'll kind of ease off the frustration of that. Hmm. Great points. Great points. I don't really have anything to add to that uh, because I think, you know, the security is so important and it's so, uh, once the cat's out of the bag, then uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to uh, toothpaste out of the tube, whatever <laughs> you want to do. It's, uh, right. It's really tough, exactly. and uh, your reputation is so, so important. So I think that's a great point, yeah. 
Alan, uh, you said you had another question as well? Yes, the last one we have is from Evelyn, and she's asking, how can I communicate the challenges my agents have when handling calls? Mm-hmm. Um, well, one of them is, like I said earlier, have have your senior staff sit in on calls, not not recorded calls, but live calls, you know, if, if at all possible, um, and maybe start tracking what are the key challenges that, that the agents are having. And I don't know if you have any kind of business intelligence software, Evelyn, in your call center, but, you know, I see a lot of organizations where they're putting monitors in place, they're putting systems in place, but... The other side of it is call center agents, as somebody put it to me the other day, have a thermometer so far stuck up there, you know what, <laughs> to check their temperature on everything. They are so micromanaged more than anybody that I can think of in the organization as far as you know, uh, maybe in the healthcare where, you know, for good reasons they're micromanaging those folks. But for somebody that's making, you know, $20 or less an hour, they're very, very highly monitored. So you've got to understand from their point of view, they're doing the best job they can. They want to help the customer. But if you have all these check boxes that they have to do in place, it's it's a lot of plates that they're spinning in the air. And, you know, maybe helping managers understand from that perspective, you know, if you were sitting here in my place and you had all – and may, many of them have been, you know, help me figure out, you know, what's what should I be focusing on, what's most important – and then, you know, reprioritize things there so that people can understand where they're supposed to focus on based upon, you know, what's really important to the organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are great points. And I think to add to that, just uh, to underline the uh, value that statistics can have, you know, that if you can mm-hmm. collect the statistics that are going to be compelling to the uh, audience that you're trying to play to, then that's really important. And that's one of the things, for instance, by making that friend over in the CFO's office or uh, yep. accounting, whatever, then you can find out, you know, what will uh, really grab their attention. And, you know, it's the data, the metrics sort of being guided by uh, the data. I mean, everybody's hearing that from Dr. Fauci now, right? <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, that's it's really important stuff. Um and, and I guess one other possibility is pilots. If you're able to mm-hmm. uh, some sort of a even jerry-rigged type of pilot that proves your point uh, without spending a lot of money, right. then right. Uh, you might be able to then uh, you know get the money to do the bigger thing. And and in some yep. cases you have vendors these days, particularly with what's going on now, there may be some vendors who are willing to uh, work with you and uh, give you a free uh, pilot on something that you're trying to do for a limited period of time, but sure. enough time so you can uh, collect the stats and the data uh, to help make your case. So uh, that's what I yep. would, would add. Well, listen, we've come to the end of our uh, allotted time here, but uh, this has been great. Let me uh, just give you an opportunity, Nancy, to say anything final if you'd like to, and then we'll hand things over to Alan. Sure. Yeah. Just just in general, you know, in this in this crazy time, everybody stay safe, and and hopefully we'll we'll be back face to face in the next couple of weeks or so, or at least in smaller groups to where we can uh, at least uh, get out of our uh, you know lockdown period, and and hopefully everyone can survive this uh, crazy time. But it, yeah, I mean, just basically communication is key, and uh, having empathy for you know, different sides of the house and the organization, I think is really important. So find ways that you can kind of continue to keep that line of communication open. 
great, great points. Here, here, uh, and we do hope that these this uh, COVID things passes over. We feel terribly for those people who've been affected and have lost uh, dear ones, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just hope that this really goes away as quickly as possible. But thank you so much, Nancy, for uh, giving us your time and your insights. We really do appreciate it. And yes, with my that, pleasure. I'd like to... Okay, great. And with that, I'd like to hand it over to Alan to wrap things up. Yes, thanks again to Nancy and to Bruce for your new insights on today's show. Be sure to join us next month for another great show or look at our huge selection of archive shows and hot topics at benchmarkportal.com. Then click on Call Talk where you'll find over 11 seasons of this show. From all of us at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Alan Pockotter signing out. Have a great day.